welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal. I'm your host, Pat Soroyce, and we are a bi-monthly podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at LCS Podcast. We're on TikTok at Lie, Cheat, Steal Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and wherever you're listening to this. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon where we release two more episodes every month. That's patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Kath, how you doing? Hi, Pat. Um, I'm good. We just took a little break between episodes, and uh, it's late August, so you know I had to eat a delicious heirloom tomato as a snack. (laughs) It was so good. It was so good. I went to the farmer's market yesterday, and I bought, like, two pounds of fancy heirloom tomatoes, and uh, yeah, that's basically all I've been eating for two days, just slicing them up, (laughs) putting a little balsamic vinegar on there, a little olive oil. Delicious. hell yeah. So good. Yeah, I earlier in the summer, um, Dale Alexander, the guy I was working with doing carpentry, mm-hmm. he had been growing some tomatoes and he gave me a few. I just went home and chopped them hose up, made a BLT, and like, oh, oh good lord, yeah. that was a good sandwich. Yeah. I was just thinking, I need to, <laughs> I need to go to the store and get some bacon because this is some prime BLT tomatoes. These are some, yeah, they're just they're not the same at the grocery store. Grocery store tomatoes yeah. are just they don't compare. I remember when they I lived do in. Not. When I lived in a house in Austin, um, my roommate would, he had a little garden in our yard and um, we would, uh, we had like a compost thing in our, in our kitchen and he would use the compost to, you know, fertilize the the stuff he was growing. And I remember he grew this tomato in this yard that must have come from a seed in the compost because it was like a grocery store tomato. And it was like, Oh, it turns out they just grow them like that. I guess because they're easier to transport. <laughs> like it was just this like big, tasteless, waxy, like hard yeah. tomato. And it's like, oh, I guess they just <laughs> cultivate them that way. Uh, that's sad. Yeah. That's sad that we don't like have real tomatoes <laughs> in the grocery store anymore. Very weird. Uncanny Valley tomato. Yeah. Freaky. Yeah. <laughs> like AI tomato. Yeah. <laughs> but no, if you, yeah. if you got a hookup, you know someone who's growing them. Good stuff. Hard yeah. to beat. Hard yeah, to beat a good there. tomato. <laughs> there was an advertisement in a. Uh, it was like a, it's called like Harper's Bazaar, some mm-hmm. fucking magazine that sells a bunch of useless stuff. <laughs> and um, one of them was for like a tomato growing kit, and you could tell it was definitely geared towards senior citizens because it was just like. When you buy a tomato grower, you want lots of tomatoes. Why only settle for a few weeks of tomatoes when you can have <laughs> months of tomatoes? And I was like, man, this is speaking like senior citizen language. Like, yeah, yeah, why only settle for a few weeks of tomatoes? <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so that's what's up. Tomato time out there. Tomato I'm a. Yeah, after we get done here, I'm gonna go do the FPIA funniest person in Austin contest. Yeah, you. It was uh, funny. You were texting me about it, um, but. Your uh, autocorrect changed FPIA to FOIA, which is oh, yeah. Freedom of Information <laughs> Act. Information and you were like, I need to figure yeah. out when the FOIA... I was like, is he doing FOIA requests for our podcast? Is he like yeah, yeah. getting yeah. really intense in the research? And then I was like, oh, right, it's FPIA. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, uh, I, like, it's, 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 it's so much different than we used to do it. Like, it, yeah. it, A, there's more people. It was crazy. We were doing it. It wasn't like there wasn't a lot of people. There was like 250 signups when we were doing it. Yeah. And, uh, but and now, now it's, it's exploded, like, huh? It's even more than It's that. exploded. Yeah. Uh, there's months of fucking, uh, of prelims. And then like the, and then there's like a quarterfinals round. They have to weed even more people out before they get to the semis. Yeah. And so that's where I'm, I'm going to, I'm doing my quarterfinal round tonight, but it's funny because 
we used to take the shit so seriously. You know, like, like it was yeah. like FPIA season was like you met up with your friends, you practiced all day. You and went like, through your set of... with like a fine tooth comb, and I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. it's a function of the fact that like Cap City used to be the only place where you could really do comedy <laughs> for money. You know, like you could you yeah, could get yeah. a set at the Velve every once in a while, but as far as like working with real professional comedians, like the Cap City was the A club. It was the yeah the number one club, and now there's so many other places to go. It's just sort of like meh. That's cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think that and just like also like the fact that I've been on the road for years. Getting older. And yeah. so now just, yeah, I'm just like seven minutes. I do seven minutes tonight. I do five minutes last time. And I remember I would have like, I would have sat there all fucking day. Like, I'm take this out. I'm take this out. I just, when I was like, I'm going to start doing my set till I see the fucking light. Then I'm going to wrap it up and get out of there. And yeah. it's like, I advance. <laughs> and so what's kind of cool is the, the person I'm staying with. We didn't know each other, but we knew we have some mutual friends. And uh, apparently his his partner was just at my was at my prelim round. Oh, nice! And uh, yeah, and she was like, and she was like, yeah. She told me that you were like, like probably the, like the people that advanced were like the only people that had any business being there. Yeah, I'd imagine with this many people in the contest, it's like, uh, yeah. Do they do the thing what they used to do, which was very considerate of them? Is they would try to sort of if if Capsity knew you and knew you were a pretty good comic, they would try to sort of evenly distribute the people who actually knew how to do comedy yeah. and not put them all yeah. on the same night or something like that. Do they still it do that? It looks like they're doing that. Nice. It, lo- it looks like they are That's because good. yeah, there's, there's nights I didn't know nobody. And there was like literally the only people like there was, uh, I, I went through with Angelina Martin, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a uh, friend of the show, hilarious, love her to death. Um, she and then the, another, another guy's older cat who I'd never seen before, but he was getting real big laughs. He's like a, yeah. a, a, a veteran. And he was like, "Yeah, that dude was like killing it." And I was like, "Okay, yeah." And like, and, and like when they called everybody up, it's like, "Yep, that made perfect sense." <laughs> like, that's who's, like who that's was going. Who's going. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I don't but, uh, miss it. it. I do love Cap City yeah. still. It's still like my fa- it's my favorite yeah. club in the city for sure. Uh, you yeah. know, uh, but I don't miss that contest. I really don't. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's it, it's it's uh, it, it was very stressful. I think now that I have a different outlook on it. I just don't give a shit. I just showed up. I, I showed up. I, didn't, I wasn't late, but I had to be there like 15 minutes before for the little. Uh, the little breakdown. Okay, here's what we're gonna need from you or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like me and Avery parked the car like two minutes before the show was supposed to start. Like <laughs> we just ran in there and they were just like, "Get in here, guys!" Yeah, <laughs> it's like, fine, "Yeah, all sorry, right. yeah, we love y'all, but you know we don't give a shit." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what's going on. So yeah, we get done here. I got a few hours to kill. In which case, I'll probably I'll probably put something together. Yeah, it's, it's the semifinals now, or it's the quarterfinals. Yeah. So you gotta give, give it a little yeah. bit of effort. Yeah, and only two people are going through on this one. I think oh, I, yeah. I think I know who the, I think I know who the other one's gonna be. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, should I, should I say it? Like, say yeah, it. I, really I think it's in Colton Dowling. I think Colton Dowling's okay. gonna go through. Yeah, yeah, because he's like one of the very few people I know uh, on the list, and also just like Colton is a, is a, uh, you know like I'm not I'm not gonna joke writing, but he's like he's got a huge presence as well. Yeah, he's one of those guys. He big big crowds, um, with you know big crowds with like a, a limited interest in comedy. Love that shit, you know so. I think I think he's it's gonna be him, and I hopefully it's me and him standing back to back, Danny Glover, fucking Mel Gibson <laughs> style on the stage. <laughs> well, by the time this episode comes out, it will be in the past, so you guys can fact check. Hopefully, Pat made it through. Um, yeah. Here's my segue. Uh, y'all, you're doing your art tonight. This story is about art. Speaking of art, hell yeah. This story. Uh, <laughs> this is another art fraud case. Another art forgery case. Woo, one of my favorites. Yeah. One of my specialties. Um, yeah, this is quite a doozy. I uh, I was surprised I hadn't heard of this before because it's pretty big, and uh, there was a documentary about it that came out uh, a few years ago that I that I watched most of. I kind of scrubbed through parts of it because it was very long. Um, 
but uh yeah and and Reese this is like the indictments about this were fairly recent um but yeah so today I'm going to be telling you about a guy named Norval Morriso and uh his artwork and the people oh, who have okay. copied his artwork for great uh acclaim and money oh so he is the he is the victim yes All, okay it debatably it's interesting there's there's okay. some inclination that he may have known about this and been okay with it um but we're not sure so okay well art scams are always crazy because it, it, it's like we're talking about the fake rolexes it's like at some point when you're just yeah like, like at some point you're, you're you're still making that like if you're the one like you know like if you just the shit, like, like you're the still... picture do you like yeah. the art <laughs> then you like the art yeah yeah exactly like, like to, to, to be an art forger you still have to be very good at making art you know like you can't just it's not like you're just printing it on a t-shirt or whatever you know, like. right um so yeah so this guy norval Morris. so this this story takes place in canada and there are some details of it that are like super canadian that i think are really funny um but this guy he um he's arguably like the best known indigenous artist in canada he's um he painted for like 40 years he was really prolific um he uh, he was an Ojibwe Ashinaabe uh, First Nations guy. He grew up in um, Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is kind of above Wisconsin on the Great Lakes, uh-huh. um, and that was where he was based for like most of his life. I actually think he grew up e- further remote than that. I, I misspoke. He was in Northern Ontario, and then he like came to Thunder Bay. Um, later in life and that's kind of where he was based and that's where as we'll see many of his forgers were based as well so okay uh i'm a thunder bay i'm a thunder bay based art forger (laughs) (laughs) it does sound cool (laughs) yeah 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 there's like a really hip forgery scene out there (laughs) so um morriso was known for founding this school of art called um the woodland school where he really influenced a lot of other First Nations uh, artists in Canada, and uh, he sort of took these sort of traditional um, like petroglyphs and images of like Great Lakes uh, region indigenous people, and then put them on canvas. You know, made them. He was a painter. Um, yeah. So yeah, he uh, he was self-taught. He grew up, um, you know, in a very remote area of Ontario. And he sort of developed his style on his own. Um, initially, it was kind of more uh, earth tones, and um, very his style was always very graphic. But like later in life, he moved to these like very bright sort of neon colors. Um, yeah. And his work is like very, as I said, very graphic. It's very like there's like thick black outlines, really bright colors. It reminds me a little bit of like Keith Haring. Um, I will send you some uh some of his paintings it's very like a, a lot of people compare him to picasso um okay he i'm putting a See, little... what i'm thinking of those bright colors with like thick black lines i think graffiti yeah and it like, does I, it I... does kind of have like a graffiti vibe to it okay here. oh i see I, i've seen i've seen keith herrick stuff before yeah yeah so i just i i just put a link in the chat i don't know if you can see it yeah but uh um yeah okay, okay here we go so it's kind of psychedelic. Um, yeah. And it does- also, this looks like this looks like this is the backdrop for the '90s. You know, what I'm saying yeah. Like, the, the Keith Herrick stuff more than the normal Morriso, but I certainly see it. Um, and I, I love this because, like, I, I'm a, a, a armchair graffiti guy myself, and I just love like the, like how just 
crisp. It always looks like when it's like a bright color with like a nice black line going yeah. through it. It's just like it's it's just so fucking it's aesthetically good. pleasing. It's, it's why I like yeah, it's I, why I like traditional tattoos too. It's like those thick black lines, those big yeah, yeah. swaths of, of saturated color. Like it's it's really nice. Um Yeah, this guy this guy fucking rules. Yeah, man. his stuff is really nice. His I stuff like is this. cool. Um so he like initially painted a lot of sort of stuff from traditional Ojibwe mythology. And then later in life, he um, he's he changed religions a few times over his life. He, he became like a born again Christian. He was involved in like some new age stuff. And so when he would do that, he would start painting from those traditions as well. Nice. Um, he was also bisexual. So he painted a lot of um, sort of erotic uh, works as well. Um, nice. But the thing about him is that he spent most of his life pretty itinerant. He he had a pretty bad uh, drinking problem. He was an alcoholic. And so he, like, he would occasionally be homeless. He spent some time in jail. Um, and all throughout this time, he... It's got everything you look for in a good artist. Yeah, like, totally, dude, totally. Yeah, yeah he's, he's fucking all sorts of people. He's, like, flip-flopping religions all over the place <laughs> and shit. Like, living on the road. Like, yeah, this is, this is who I want making my art. Right, <laughs> exactly. It's he, he really lived it, you know? Um, I'm just thinking the, the, the fucking um, uh, Ross Trent. That, yeah. that SNL sketch. <laughs> I told my Boomba Clop parents that I'm switching religions. Rostrand <laughs> <laughs> is like maybe my favorite SNL thing ever. I love it. I, so I, much. I watch it. I, I'll just get drunk sometimes and like, just like, 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 ooh, I'm going to look that up right now and it's, just laugh my ass it's off. It's still <laughs> so funny to me. It's like a perfect. Yeah. And it's so amazing because it's like. It's clearly written by someone who like knows a lot about reggae and like yeah, knows a lot about know. Rastafarianism, and it's so crazy that they let them put that on SNL because it's like so specific, you know, yeah, yeah. and and also just like really specific and also not made by anyone with any cultural like aso- association with that world. It's amazing. Yeah. It's such a miracle. I love the whole thing that, that I think sums it up perfectly at the beginning when he goes Rastafarianism. Yeah. Like it just says it like instead of just Rastafarianism. Rastafari or Rasta just Rastafarianism like yep. just that he's one degree off fully getting it like, <laughs> oh classic. man yeah yeah shout that so, out so this is all definitely the life of the artist but unfortunately uh it makes it really hard to get like a good accounting of all of his works because he like sometimes he would sell them to art dealers sometimes he would like exchange them for like a place to stay or like a meal. I was just like, thinking that. Yeah. yeah he would <laughs> like, he would paint for friends and you know, like he, uh, so it's really hard to figure out like how many paintings he did and like where they all ended up. He also was really prolific. He, he did paint a lot of paintings. Um, yeah, but, uh, there are a lot of fake ones out there, unfortunately. And you can tell, I think you can see with his style. It's, he definitely has like a very unique eye, but, it doesn't take a ton of technical skill to paint things that look sort of like his stuff. You know what I mean? Cause it's like yeah. lots of big shapes. Um, once you sort of get the template, you can kind of replicate the idea without a ton of skill. Yeah. You know? Um, what was it? it reminds so much of this shit reminded me of that, that other artist that you compared him to, but you saw like, that was like, that was like what like title cards and like nineties TV commercials looked like. Keith and shit. Yeah. Yeah, the Keith Harry, there's like PBS would be like, hey, this is full of PBS. And it'd be like the little, the little black line crocodile walking and like, it's just that little, yeah. those shapes. Yeah, it, it, it was very prevalent. And I can see because it's, 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 
easy to replicate. Like you got to know to create it and come up with it is uh, is pretty fucking right. Uh, it takes an eye, but yeah, to replicate it, it's, it doesn't take that much skill. Right, and like the fact that it caught on so much is like proof of of like a really amazing vision. But the actual act of creating the art is not super complicated, which is I yeah, think it's like why. Yeah, a cool S. Yeah, it's like a cool S. Yeah. Whoever came up with it is a fucking genius. The rest of us are copycats. <laughs> um. But yeah, so in the in the early '90s, uh, Morso uh, was diagnosed with Parkinson's, and uh, he had a stroke in the '90s, and so he was not able to paint quite as much. Um, but that's when things started to get sort of fishy because he stopped really being able to paint uh, in the mid '90s. But uh, there were tons of new Morso paintings coming on the market at that time, and. Everyone was like, where are these all coming from? Because this guy can't yeah. paint anymore. <laughs> so he uh, was then enlisted in authenticating his own work. You know, like he was still alive. He was allegedly still very mentally sharp, even though he physically was not as able to, like, uh, produce work. So he uh, he identified about 175 works as forgeries when he was alive. Um, he died in 2007. And yeah, he was just like an incredibly influential artist to um, native artists in Canada. He he's done like a ton of publicly commissioned work. Like if you go to like a like a Canadian university, there's very likely that they have some of his work hanging there. Oh uh, like, yeah, you know, he's kind of a national treasure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rightfully so. Seems like it seems like a rad dude. He was <laughs> he was pretty rad. Like he he yeah. definitely <laughs> lived a life. You know, he really was yeah, yeah. out there. Um, so. This problem of forgeries definitely was identified even while he was still alive, but it got even worse after he died because then there's nobody to tell you whether it's fake or not. And like, yeah, he produced thousands of works. So it's, you know, it's really hard. So, yeah, it feels like, man, he stayed in my guest bedroom in 1994 right. for three weeks. <laughs> and for payment, he gave me this painting and a bag of mushrooms. I swear to God. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's like 100% what people are doing. And uh, so in 2019, and this is where things get very Canadian in a very funny way. Uh, this documentary came out in 2019 <laughs> called There Are No Fakes. And this documentary was spurred on because a member of the Bare Naked Ladies bought a... <laughs> yeah, uh, I was getting real Canadian. <laughs> exactly. Just like so Canadian. Uh, Kevin Hearn of the Bare Naked Ladies bought <clears throat> a uh, painting allegedly by Morisot called Spirit Energy of Mother Earth. And uh, he loaned it to the Gallery of Ontario for an art show. And the curator told him, this is fake. This is not a real uh, Norval Morriso painting. <laughs> so he ends up suing uh, the gallery that sold him the painting. And this lawsuit is, uh, it's in 2012. And I think it like hadn't been settled when they started making this documentary. <laughs> And like, sir, how long did you buy this painting? He's like, let's see, it's uh, it's been it's been one week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I was gonna lose sleep if I didn't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, another thing that's like crazy, just a crazy detail to me is, um, he bought the painting for twenty thousand dollars, and he says like, you know, that's not like that big of a deal to me. And I'm like, how much yeah. money does being in the bare naked ladies get you? Like, yeah, that's probably, that's probably one of those ones where like, you don't think about it and their royalties just fucking royalties. Yeah. I bet they, could, I bet they still tour. I mean, yeah. I, I think they probably still tour. They were like good. Like I had, two, I think I had yeah. two of their albums as a kid, but like, 
it's just weird. I love that fucking yeah. I love that one week song because especially when it broke down, it had, it had a little rappy part, and I was like, I was always like rap first, rock later. <laughs> but uh, also an interesting fact about them, you know the snow. Uh, the white mm-hmm. Canadian rapper who sings Informer, that is one of their cousins. Whoa, okay. And, yeah, and Snow, who was like held up, is just like, oh, look at this fake white rapper. Look at Snow's rap sheet. Snow will smack the taste out of your mouth if you said that to him. <laughs> he's, he's like locked up on like, uh, or not locked up, he's got like, hemmed up on like assault, drug trafficking <laughs> shit. Like he is, he Snow is the real deal. Yeah, <laughs> Snow is from these streets, and he, these streets of yeah, Toronto. He has, yeah, yeah, he has fucking glasses. <laughs> like, but yeah, don't, yeah, why? Watch your mouth around Snow. That in, guy will take care ways, of you. In some ways, Snow, the original Ross Trent. Because like, he was definitely yeah. doing, a, doing a fake Jamaican <laughs> yeah. patois in that, yeah, uh, yeah. In that song. But my I guess you heard it. So. My least favorite white rapper Jamaican patois is that uh, Eminem album where he was still clearly on drugs. <laughs> it's just like rapping in accents the whole time. <laughs> Relapse. That's what it was. Relapse. Yeah. He's just later. He's like, yeah, I was just... I was just on a lot of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I have no excuse. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this documentary comes out. He he has this purported uh, Norval Morrison painting that he is told is fake. And then the documentary kind of gets into down this wormhole of the sort of world of counterfeit Norval Morrison paintings and sort of the feuds that have uh, developed um, in the art world because of this. Because, obviously, if you own some of these paintings they're very valuable they sell for on average about fifteen thousand dollars like more for for bigger and more notable ones so there's like a real vested interest with people who own these of not declaring them forgeries because then they're oh of course you know so like Uh, i i wonder i'm sorry i wonder in the world of forgeries is it more common to have forgeries of style or forgeries of exact pieces mm, yeah. and I guess it would be I guess it would have to be forgeries of style because forgery of exact pieces seems like it'd be impossible to pull yeah, off because everybody's like oh no that's no that's that's the fucking storm of the sea of Galilee or whatever but if you could do the style of somebody and be like oh this is one of their lesser knowns yeah so it's yeah. um you can do it of exact paintings if the painting has been lost so like that is oh, a common yeah, yeah, right. like stuff that um you know, it's like, oh, it was hidden during World War II so the Nazis wouldn't destroy it. And, like, here it is again. Like, those yeah, kinds yeah. of things are are sometimes replicas of exact paintings. But mostly, yeah, you try to do lesser-known works early, you know, like, in the style of someone. Or, like, if there yeah. are sketches of something and then no final painting, you, like, can paint the final painting. Like, that kind of stuff. Um, I wonder if there's any fake uh, far side Gary Larson panels out there. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like he's got a I love the fucking far side. I mean, anybody with a, with a brain loves the far side. But, like, I just wonder if, like, that seems like it'd be real easy to, to fake. Yeah. And just be like, oh, yeah, I have these early Gary Larson one panels <laughs> and shit. Like, Probably. <laughs> I feel, like, that down. I feel yeah. like there's a market for it. So why not? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so this documentary is really interesting. Um, and another thing, the thing that is the most interesting about it is that uh, this documentary started an investigation into all of these people, many of whom appear in the documentary, um, that was like a multi-year investigation. It just concluded in March and a bunch of people were charged. So <laughs> Canadians, get with it, guys. You're like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll be in the documentary about fake art. <laughs> it's like you are digging your grave, sir. <laughs> like, <don't... laughs> it's wild. This documentary has so many characters in it, too. Just like the weirdest people. Like, so there's this guy named Richie Sinclair, who is uh, a protege, a, pur- a purported protege of Norval Morriso. Um, he is he's like a. 
He looks like a guy who would be named Richie Sinclair. He's like a white guy with long hair. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, dude, the the amount of white guys guys named Richie who are white with long hair has to be a big part of the pie graph. Yeah, <laughs> and like he's sort of he doesn't overtly pretend to be Native American or First Nations, but like he definitely is doing that. Like <laughs> he he's an artist himself, and he goes by Star Dreamer, which he said is what Norval Morriso called him, and like <laughs> so he like. It's tough because he is sort of like not credible, but also he like he is a big advocate for like a lot of these paintings are fake. And like he started this website that because uh, he, he was he's like normal more. So like taught me how to paint like he I, he was like my mentor. And I am really frustrated with the fact that there are so many fakes out there. So he starts this um, website where he shows uh, works that he thinks are like disputed and he's been sued numerous times by people who own these works. There's a lot of smear oh, campaign type stuff about him where, like, this, I mean, this may be true, but, like, so what people who don't believe him say is this is basically, like, a rent boy of Norval Morisot's that, like, back in the day oh, they hooked yeah, up yeah. and this guy, like, is just a nut. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He taught he taught me how to paint. Who was that comic running around? Yeah, crazy female comic running around. I know who she was, but she was running around Austin and she would, like, hook up with these touring road comics and then it would turn into I wrote their half hour. Yep, yep, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like, you didn't, you didn't, yeah, you didn't write Norm's half hour. Oh, you wrote one of the, one of the, the best half hours of comedy ever written but yeah sure thing <laughs> that bro. was That's all just... you yep. <laughs> yeah um but yeah so this guy richie sinclair he sort of like spearheaded this um this uh, movement to like declare a bunch of these uh forgeries there is like a very obvious tell on a lot of these at least according to the documentary where um more so would sign uh his paintings in like Ojibwe syllabic script. So like he wouldn't sign them as Norval Morriso, he would sign them in syllabic uh Cree syllabics as Copper Thunderbird, which was like his his First Nations name. So yeah. um and he would sign them on the front and it's like it's very obvious. It's like a big graphic on the front. And a lot of these forgeries are signed on the back as Norval Morriso. They just have his English name and then um yeah a a uh usually a title of the of the painting which like none of the undisputed works have that. So it just seems very obviously fake. Um yeah. But a lot of these people are like really invested in this idea that uh these are real to the point where there's <laughs> these two people named John and Joan Goldie who are a couple who had it's now been taken down, I think, because some of these people got charged. But it was called the Norval Morriso Hoax Exposed Blog dot com, which like <laughs> get some Canadians. concision, guys. Dude, there's one thing about like I've, I've noticed about just like Canadians have like I don't say no swag, but there's just <laughs> something like I don't know if because like if, if they just they don't have to worry about healthcare and they just don't like like they always like miss the the mark. It seems a little things like like oh I'm an artist, my name is Star Dreamer. It's like that's just two fucking words man that you pulled out of a hat and it's like i was listening to like a true crime thing about um uh this guy was a, a victim his name was tim he got killed and um 
they were going to like have a, a, a fund set up in his name to help like victims of crime, families of, uh, of murder victims. And it was called Tim's tribute. <laughs> like, it's kind of like, it just feels like it's like grammatic. It's like how they call things instead of ninth grade, it's grade nine. <laughs> it's just, they always, just a little they're always off. like, yeah, it's always a little off. It always sounds a little Canadian. It's like, um, my friend JP McDade has a tweet that, uh, I reference all the time where he, where it's like you think Canada's normal, and then you find out some shit like they call Kermit the Frog Green Dennis, and you're like, "What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Why is your I milk in a bag? Too. Like, what is this place?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously the best, the best fake Canadian universe is in South Park, where mm, all the fucking yeah. the wheels are square, their heads are flat, around, like just so fucking good. <laughs> but um, close second is the. Um, uh, uh, the Kroll Show universe for mm. Brian La- for Brian Lacroix, <laughs> like, and then just the whole universe of like the Wheels Ontario shit, just so <laughs> fucking funny. Where, yeah, he's like he's the only. Is that like on, on Degrassi? It was like Drake was like yep. in a wheelchair, and like, it's like everyone's in a wheelchair except for him, and <laughs> the bully's like, "Hey, what's up, legs?" <laughs> uh, our strange neighbors to the north. We love you. We're just kidding. You're you're. One of a kind, Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so these people, John and Joan Goldie, they're like, for years, they've had this website up where they're like, basically they say, uh, in their view, the forgery claims were part of a grander conspiracy cooked up by a cabal of art elitists who want to drive up more so prices by declaring vast swaths of the artist's oeuvre fake. So they own some more so, purported more so paintings that have this English signature on the back and are thus probably not yeah. real. Um and they basically just go like full on hardcore character assassination on anyone who claims otherwise. <laughs> just like immediate, like uh, you know, you're a culture genocider. You're uh, you know unscrupulous. They've accused oh, uh, people who are purporting this conspiracy of murdering journalists. Like they're nuts. They're fully. Oh nuts. yeah, yeah. It's like no. At the end of the day, like the money you're talking about, you're you're talking about like maybe like I don't know how much his paintings go for, but. I would say if you took the, the, the tabulated value of all of his paintings, maybe you're looking at like a few million dollars, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, we'll or, get into that because okay, it, be, it may be more. Um, okay. But yeah, for also, these people. Also, it's so funny to see all these like, all these like presumably dreadlocked white people just <laughs> causing a big old ruckus in the, fu- in the, in the space of native art. <laughs> it is. I mean, that, yeah. The, that is something that is very funny about this is like most of the people involved in this are not native whatsoever. Uh, yeah. um, Man, all the feet in this are dirty. Yeah. <laughs> just in many dirty ways. Dirty feet. With, yeah, dirty feet with pinky rings on them <laughs> on pinky toes. Yeah, it's just ugh. Well, yeah. So another thing that I think is very funny about them is like they're constantly accusing um, people who think some of these works are forgeries of being racist. Like they think they're like being anti-native. But then... <laughs> The other thing that this guy is famous for is having an online exhibit about the Boer War, which is like a South South African colonialist war that like white yeah, supremacists yeah. love. Like white supremacists yeah, yeah, love yeah, the what, Boers. Yeah. And yeah. then <laughs> and then he also says so they John and Joan Goldie have been sued numerous times for defamation because they keep saying all this horrible stuff about people. And uh John Goldie said they're quote they're weaponizing the judiciary just like trump said and it's like i don't think you really care if people are being racist i don't think that's your problem here like i think there are other things going on um but yeah is the real anti-racist you know like like, yeah all right 
So Man, that's, yeah, dude, that, that that generation is folding back in on itself with weirdos. And I've always said any adult person who outwardly identifies as a hippie, nine times out of nine, kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I've, I've I never had a different don't experience. Think, I don't think I really think Star Dreamer is the only hippie here. I don't think the rest oh, of these okay, people are okay. hippies. They're yeah. Uh, John and Joan Goldie were like um, documentary filmmakers before they were insane about this guy. Like I, they seem pretty normal. I mean, they're insane, but like culturally pretty mainstream. Yeah. Okay. And then, okay. But we will get into some real dirt bags in a sec because uh, that's who nice. ended up getting charged with this stuff. So John and Joan Goldie were just kind of a weird aside that I wanted to call out because the name of their <laughs> blog is so funny. Um, <laughs> And so, a real dirtbag is actually, that's a legal term, the RMCP. <laughs> you got charged with eight counts of being a real dirtbag. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what happened. So, um, this, like I said, this documentary came out in 2019, um, but charges against some of these people didn't come out until this past March 2023. And uh, the Thunder Bay and Ontario police arrested eight people for allegedly counterfeiting between 4,500 and 6,000 pieces of art credited to Fuck, Ronald That's huge numbers. Huge that's, numbers. That's huge numbers. That, that like, that has to, that actually, okay, I guess that really would fuck up with, like, the economy of an artist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like 6,000 pieces out there purported to be fake. Like, that, that could call your entire catalog into question. Absolutely. And they, they say that, like, um, again, the average Morriso goes for about fifteen thousand dollars. So this could be up to a hundred million dollars worth of oh, value. Oh shit! Yeah, just wiped okay. out because these are all fucking fake. And uh, yeah. I, I mean, if they if they're able to identify these, I'd imagine the value of a more a real one would go up quite a bit. You know? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I guess that would help. That would help if you have a real, verifiably real one that right. might help your your cause yeah exactly okay but if you're worried because uh you know uh richie star dreamer has put your put your <laughs> painting on his website which i've looked at them and i do so like what the the way that richie i mean obviously there's a signature thing on the back the other thing that he says is like the way the the order in which the the paint was applied to the canvas is not right like on the forged ones, oh, on the yeah, forged that, I, ones, the black lines are first, and on Norval's uh, original paintings, the black lines are last. So, like things like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, that's like I, 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 I dabble a little graffiti here and there, just as a, as a, uh, a hobby. But like, yeah, like when you when you're doing stuff, yeah, like laying that how you lay how you layer your shit out. I would imagine is is distinct to each individual artist, and that would be a tell right. of being like, no, this person does it. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. So and I've looked at the the comparisons between the, the the ones that he thinks are fake and the ones that he thinks are real. And now that all, all this these people have been charged, like it is clear there are lots of forgeries out there. So, you know, this guy that everybody kind of thought was a nut turns out was probably pretty correct. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, investigators allege the forgeries started in the mid '90s um, with this guy David Voss, who uh, he lived in Thunder Bay as well. Um, and he, his story about how he got all of these Morriso paintings was that he claimed that his dad, Dieter Voss, was a prison guard at the prison in which Morriso was spent some time incarcerated. And 
there is evidence there that he did paint while he was imprisoned. It's like a yeah. very it's Thunder Bay. It's like really small. So they basically gave him an extra cell that he could use as a studio, which is like <laughs> very Canada, very nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But we're only giving you primary color. Well, okay, give him the whole color wheel. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he he basically said like. The guards would have him paint things for like prison script, you know, like paint this. I'll give you a pack of cigarettes or I'll give you a couple bucks or whatever. And Hell then they yeah. would go on the outside and sell them for, you know, quite a bit of money. So <laughs> that was his story. This guy, David Voss, um, that turned out not to be true. They couldn't find any evidence of uh, this, this prison guard. And also like people who knew more so were like, I know what happened, all the paintings he did in jail. Like he would give them yeah. to me and I would sell them. Like, you know, that kind of stuff. So Yeah, yeah. If you can if you, there's a way to get the, the painting out out of the market and you can sell it for real money and have money waiting for you when you get out. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna sell yeah, I'm not gonna make something for, I'm gonna trade for a pack of smokes. Fuck out of here. Right, like, exactly. Like he was yeah. connected enough in the art world at this time to like not be doing that. <laughs> Um, I was like, what are like Canadian prison, like Canadian prison currency is it's like, it's like hockey pucks and shit. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> he just gets probably. a bag of hockey pucks. Like, it's All ma- right. It's okay. maple sugar candy. It's like, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh man, I want some maple sugar candy. So the crazy thing about this story is that there seem to be at least three independent forgery rings for this guy that were not working together. And all of them were arrested. Um, so, uh, the second one I think is sort of the juiciest one, which is this guy, Gary Lamont, who, so David Voss was in the mid nineties. Gary Lamont starts in the early two thousands and, uh, he is just, according to the documentary, just like King Dirtbag of Thunder Bay. He was like a biker that sold drugs and, Fuck yeah, uh, King Dirtbag of Thunder Bay is, that, that, that's a, that's a goddamn movie title. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it he was he was a real piece of work. He was pretty gross. He got charged with sexual assault a few years ago. Like he was just a nasty, uh, nasty man. All my, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All my heroes get time. You know, <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I had such little time with this guy. Three seconds of thinking he was very cool. <laughs> so uh, he, uh, you know, like Thunder Thunder Bay doesn't have a lot going on. It has drugs. Yeah. Uh, and it has Norval Morriso paintings. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah. he's like the preeminent artist in uh, in Canada, and he was working out of Thunder Bay. And uh, so this guy decided to get in on the art forgery racket. And um, he initially was selling them on eBay, and he may have had a few um, authentic ones at first, because like obviously we all know art art dealing is famously a wonderful front cover for drug money. You know, it's a great yeah. way to launder. So he may have been involved in some legitimate sales of, of his work um, in the beginning. But then he gets hooked up with uh, Morisot's nephew, um, Benji, Benjamin Morisot. And um, Benjamin Morisot is also a painter. And um, he was also like his uh, his uncle, Benjamin Morisot's uh, Norval's nephew, Um like his uncle, he also had like substance abuse problems. He's hanging out with this drug dealer. He's basically just hanging out there getting fucked up at this guy's house. And then yeah. they sort of start this scheme to uh, forge 
his uncle's paintings. So it was Benji Morriso and then a couple other people. Um, he basically recruited these like talented young indigenous artists to not do their own work, but to rip off this other yeah. guy's work. And uh, th- I kept seeing things that said that they used child labor, but I couldn't see, I didn't find anything <laughs> about like w- who the children were or yeah, like yeah, how that yeah. would even work. But yeah. Also, I mean like, like as far as child labor goes, like painting, they do that anyway. <laughs> like they do yeah, that at yeah, school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm not saying like I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying there's <laughs> there's levels to this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're just having them do arts and crafts, it can't be that bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They force these kids to make tie dye t shirts. It's like oh, that's, <laughs> kind of sounds like a fun day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but that's that's apparently what. Uh, what they what they said in some of these articles yeah shit. um but basically they uh benji set up a workshop at uh gary lamont's house and uh they would just like get fucked up on drugs and do these paintings and they think that's where probably the ones that are signed on the back are from they think it's probably from yeah. uh this guy and also another thing that was like very helpful for um these forgers is that because these were uh, Ojibwe Ashinabi people, they knew the uh, Cree syllabic alphabet that he would sign his name in. So, like, some of them yeah. were signed on the back, but they also knew how to do his signature on the front and, like, make it look legit. Especially because a lot of his buyers don't speak that language or read it. So, you yeah, couldn't really yeah. necessarily <laughs> tell, you know? <laughs> it just says, like, Crock-Pot or something. There's right. Like, nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, they wouldn't be attuned to, like, subtle differences because they're just white people who don't know this yeah. language, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, they, they would paint these paintings and then drive them to Calgary and sell them. They, they do like 30 of them and then drive them to Calgary and sell them. Um, so this is the scheme that there are questions about whether Norval actually was complicit in this. Um, because this was, he, he apparently knew Gary Lamont and like, obviously his, um, nephew is, is, uh, involved in this. And yeah. there are like pictures of him and Gary Lamont together. And at this point in his life, he couldn't paint anymore. He like he physically was unable to paint. And yeah, his, uh, the Parkinson's taken over. Exactly. Yeah. And so th- the sort of rationale that the documentary goes into is just like he just felt like he was helping his community. You know, like he was yeah. he was getting people paid in Thunder Bay, which like is in a super prosperous place yeah this is the first time i feel like i've heard stuff like this where it's like um an artist allowing their shit to get to get uh to get traffic i'm trying to think of other examples but i feel like i've heard about this before where it's like hey man like like if, if somebody's getting paid for it you know say like right um yeah, yeah artists being like yeah yeah say say i've heard you know, comics like yeah say you feature for me say you open for me whatever i don't right. give a shit go ahead like yeah yeah so and, and that, which, which to me is, is, is kind of like an ultimate real one kind of move like it's like that's that's tight yeah. Also, I feel like it would have been a lot easier to uh, you could have uh, forged a, a a later Norville painting by being like, yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely him. Is with the Parkinson's, yeah, it's a little shaky, like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's him for sure, though. <laughs> so, and then in 2008, there was a third ring of people forging stuff who are also charged. All of these people were charged in this uh, indictment. And these are some of the most sort of well-connected ones. So, like, uh, David Voss and Gary Lamont are both kind of... They're not, like, art world people. They're, like, crime people. And that's why they, yeah. you know, they're, like, get pulling a fast one. 
the last group of people is sort of more art world people like people with more clout um so there are these guys uh jeffrey cowan james white and david bremner who not only did they forge paintings they also forged certificates of authenticity and appraisals which i think oh, is shittier yeah. i think that's worse yeah. um because then yeah, no, again, it totally, it's, it totally is. Yeah, it's it's you're not like if you have a painting, you're just like maybe this is by him, but like yeah, if you're forging and this paperwork, yeah, you, you're not gonna buy a painting that sucks just because it's by a guy. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> like like if, if you're like like it, it's 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 supposedly by this guy, and also it's a good painting. But yeah, like but if you get that little that little certificate, you know that that yeah, that's that's a little shittier. So these are the guys that had sort of the biggest feud with Richie Sinclair, Star Dreamer. Like they yeah. they were in and out of court. They sued him. And because these guys were art world guys, this accusation didn't really stick until this past month or this past year where they where they were charged. So, yeah, they've um, they've all been charged with uh, forgery and um, they think there are several thousand more forgeries out there. Um, Quite a few of them, again, are easily uh, identified by the fact that they're signed in the wrong place. But because there were all of these different groups of forgers working not all of their forgeries have the same tells so it's like even trickier to kind of figure out who who did what you know like what the providence is so um a lot of places a lot of like galleries and um colleges and and places that own his work are now calling in uh, authenticators to to make sure that they have a, a legit one and um this guy basically it's funny like they talk to a, a, an authenticator and he basically said he just goes on vibes which was really funny to me he said <laughs> he said i i get what he's saying but the way he describes it it's like you're not doing yourself any favors so he says yeah uh when we look at an artwork the first thing an expert is going to have is an immediate impression some people would say that impression is not reliable because it's just a momentary impression but that is not true If a connoisseur is extremely well-educated in the art of the artist, their brain will contain all of the facts, all of the knowledge, all of the visual knowledge that they already have to form an impression and highlight things that might be wrong. It's like if a mechanic looks at a car and there's something out of place, they notice it right away if they're a good mechanic. So, like... I get what he's saying, but it does sound like yeah. you're just going on vibes. <laughs> like, yeah, just yeah, just straight vibes. Yeah, just like you know what what is putting out, you know. Um, I I can see like we so we did the the handbag episode recently, mm-hmm. and I remember like people coming to the pawn shop and like and again this isn't just because of like any like crazy like you know like um like house level fucking like diagnosis shit but like i'd be in line maybe three or four customers back and i'd see they have like they're holding two handbags and be like oh okay one of those is gonna fucking pawn i'd be like you know one of them's theirs one of them is the pawn as you're working on another transaction you look over like that was not real and yeah. you, you just know you know what i'm saying yeah and but like like I, I can get that, but again, it wasn't like I wasn't a vibe. It was the fact that I'd be like, I could just see like the shitty leather work, or I could see that like the two panels uh, on this half are just uneven or whatever, or just like, y- yeah, you could just spot that. It wasn't like it wasn't like I was just like, yeah, it's fake, you know. <laughs> I do like I do know what he's saying though, in the sense that if you've looked at a lot of art by someone, there are things that are sort of not consciously perceptible, but like you've trained your brain on it so much. You're just like, I know that doesn't look right. And yeah, hopefully yeah. with a longer study, you can figure out exactly what it is. But I mean, even looking at um, Richie Sinclair's website, you can kind of, you can kind of see that like uh, the the ones that he says are forgeries. It's like, yeah, these don't look quite, they don't look like they're quite in the same style as this. Like I can just yeah. tell they're not quite 
they're not quite some the colors aren't as vibrant um sometimes like the the way that the faces are done isn't the way that he would do faces like just things like that um but yeah, yeah, I can I can see yeah catching the vibe off that you just look because like your your brain's looking at a hundred different things and calculating together to give you one impression of it and you're like that's not right or something something's off yeah you know or or everything looks like where it should be you know whatever the case but yeah so I these people are all um, awaiting trial I believe um, but yeah unfortunately they did sentence his nephew so Benji's also uh, been uh... indicted on this so. Yeah, all of those, all of those white people, and then uh, Benji as well. So, oh shit. Yeah, I don't know if they've been sentenced. I don't think their sentences are going to be that long if they get caught, because it's like a if they get uh, convicted. Um, I think it's like five years or something. But yeah, they've basically like fucked up the market for this guy's paintings, and uh, that sucks. So yeah, worth Damn, it. I don't know. Is... I mean, kind of. Especially if the guy said it was okay, then yeah. But. Yeah. If the guy didn't say yeah. it was okay, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like any of them, like, led um, a very crazy, like, successful life off of it. You know, it feels like yeah. they were all they were all working towards something. Or because they were, like, all artists, they were, like, they might have got a couple paydays and just fucking, you know. Right. It just, just kind of partied on it or whatever. It didn't really set them for success in any meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, yeah, I, I was, yeah, not worth it maybe, but, uh, you know. And it also sucks, too, is that, like, like that's, like – that guy was in a position to like really help people who needed help through his artwork, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and keep the, and keep the money in house and keep everything. In, and now that that's, that's fucking gone. Cause outside agitators, that sucks ass. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tricky. Cause like, uh, the guy that he potentially maybe partnered with Gary Lamont was like a shitty guy. Like he, that was a yeah. bad, that was a bad person to get involved with. But like the principle of the thing, if the guy is, Pass is just saying like yeah it's okay like I want my nephew to make money you know that kind of stuff like I can't paint anymore it does get a little bit debatable um but I mean yeah this guy's been dead for almost 10 years and uh yeah. the rest of the people trying to capitalize off his name probably shouldn't do it I think that's fair <laughs> I'd say so <laughs> I wonder if you meet like a really horrible person named Gary but at first you're like <laughs> spellbound by him and then like they turn out to be like a really bad person. Like Gary, how could you do this? And like the little name tag, like the G moves away. And you see it's a T, and they were named Terry the whole time. No, You're like, no. you tricked me. <laughs> you tricked me by taking your heathen as fucked up name and replacing it with a good solid name like Gary. <laughs> that's how they get you. That's how the Terry. Yeah, that's how, get ter- you. yeah. That's how Terry's get you. They make you think they're a Gary. Uh, yeah, guys. Um, well, shit, Kat, Thank you so much for uh, for telling us about. About that uh guys if you guys like what you hear uh we do a patreon uh twice a month we just recently did uh, a roundup episode of current events and scams and kind of updates and some other stuff that we did but we got some great episodes and we'll always tell you on the free episode what we're doing on the uh, on the paid one so you guys know new tradition starting last episode <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah we uh with something we got going on, on the patreon is patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal you can catch us on twitter at lcs podcast and we are on tiktok at lie cheat steal podcast my name is pat Soroyce. find me on instagram at pc T-X, P-E-E-Z-Y-T-X. You'll find all my dates posted. Uh, Kath, you got anything coming up? Yeah, I'm at Kath Barbadoro on Twitter and Blue Sky and all of those places. Um, and I have a bunch of shows coming up. It's the pinned tweet on my Twitter. So check that out if you live in the New York City area. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, guys, thanks for tuning in. Have fun. Uh, get out there. Make the most of your week. Be safe. Be smart. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.